0: Thank you for listening to the Collective Church podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. There are so many great things going on at Collective right now, so make sure you are following us on social media at My Collective Church to stay in the loop. Now let's get into Sunday's message. When I was in college, I got to go on a month long trip to Europe for college credit. And every morning, the professor who is leading the trip would start things off with a devotional. And just a little bit of a backstory to this trip, I was almost kicked off of it before we ever went because I had made some bad decisions as a student. Those are multiple long stories that we don't really have time for today. But I'll tell you all, it involved incidents of breaking and entering, destruction of property, getting our fingerprints pulled off of a Ford Fiesta, and CT, who was just hosting. So ask him about it a little bit later. But because of these things, the professor who was leading the trip didn't want me to go because he believed I was a liability. Eventually, he relented begrudgingly. And while we were there, the first few devotionals he shared left me with this uneasy feeling that he was talking right to me. He talked about things like honoring God through our actions. He talked about making wise decisions, things that really didn't have anything to do with an art history tour through Europe. But I figured I was just in my head because I knew that he really didn't like me. But about two weeks in, he was doing his devotional when he said, everyone makes mistakes, right, Michael? And that's when I realized he was talking about me for two weeks. Right now, we're in this series called The Things We Carry, where we're talking about baggage that we have, this baggage that we bring with us everywhere we go. And it impacts how we think, how we trust, how we respond to the highs and lows of life and so much more. It's that weight that we feel in our souls that God doesn't want us to carry. And over the next few weeks, there are going to be Sundays where you feel like I am talking directly to you. And it's because I am. Not because I know everything that you are carrying, but because I know that we are all carrying something. When choosing what to preach on at Collective, sometimes I pick topics based on what our church needs. This comes through hearing stories or every week when I read the prayer request, it comes through looking at the world and just seeing what's going on. And so I do everything I can to make sure you feel like I am talking to you. But the primary way I decide what to preach on at Collective is what I'm going through. Because if something changes me, then I'm able to communicate how it can change other people. I never want to stand up here and say, here's a good idea, you should go and try it. I I will never do that with you all. I want to communicate, here is something that I have tested. Here is something that I'm wrestling with right now. Here is something that I struggle with. And over the past two years, I've been on this journey of actually dealing with the baggage that I have and the weight that I've been carrying through most of my life. And that is really where this series came from. The theme verse for this is from Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. This is a paraphrase of what Jesus said. It says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I know that we all want to live freely and lightly, and only God offers a chance for that to truly happen. And because I want that for my life, and I believe that you want that for yours as well, we have to dig deep into the things that we carry. And today we're going to talk about bitterness This is a weight that I've struggled with for a very long time. And whenever I think about bitterness, I think about food. Uh, I think about bitter melon. I think about dark chocolate. I think about coffee. And what's interesting about bitter foods is that the more you eat them, the less bitter they seem to taste. And coffee is probably the best example of this. For those of you who drink black coffee, my guess is that you started with coffee that was a little more creamer than coffee. Or maybe you started with something like a vanilla latte that had like 14 pumps in it. But slowly, you begin to change, right? You take less pumps. You're like, OK, let me, let me cut it down to four. Let me drop it down to two pumps. And now you chug dark black coffee 12 times a day because the bitterness doesn't bother you anymore. Some of you are like me. You're still drinking the latte with six pumps because you don't like the bitterness. And so you mask it. You cover it up. It's still there. It just doesn't seem as bitter. And we do the same thing with the bitterness that we carry. We either get used to feeling bitter, we just get used to carrying that weight around, or we do everything we can to cover it up, which is why we have to talk about this. And so let's talk about bitterness. Feeling bitter is typically a consequence of accumulated anger and sadness as a result of past experience or a series of disappointments across a season or a time period of a person's life. In other words, all bitterness starts out as hurt. All bitterness comes from pain. And it starts as anger and sadness and resentment. But when left unchecked and left unhealed, it turns into bitterness. And the tricky thing about bitterness is that it comes from real hurt and real pain. It comes when someone you love lies to you when they deceive you, when they talk bad about you. It comes when your parent criticizes you in the way you raise your kids, the way you spend your money, the way you're trying to heal and grow as a person. It comes from the time when someone took advantage of you and betrayed you. And so bitterness can come at the hands of other people. But we can also feel bitterness because we have made mistakes. Right? We hold on to the ways that we've screwed up, the ways that we've dropped the ball, the ways that we've failed, creating this resentment that we actually feel toward ourselves. Very rarely does bitterness come from nothing. But no matter where it comes from or what it comes from or who it comes from, it's a weight that we carry every single day that impacts our lives. Now, I know that some of you are thinking, I am not a bitter person, right? Well, here's how you know you struggle with bitterness. If you're thinking, I'm not a bitter person, but I know who is, you struggle with bitterness. If you're thinking right now, I hope my wife is listening, you are a bitter person. If you're thinking, I hope my cousin finds this on Facebook for some reason, you are a bitter person. If you are thinking about someone else in your life right now, that is something you are struggling with. Here's a few other signs that you might be bitter. You find yourself getting irritated frequently and triggered by little things that probably shouldn't bother you. You send angry or frustrated emails or texts when you know you don't need to. You get into verbal conflicts of any kind with anyone in your personal life or your professional life. You have a negative emotional reaction to strangers you encounter while driving, at work, while running errands. You snap at anyone in response to something they asked for or asked about. When taking inventory of your closest relationships, you feel that others don't fully understand you or appreciate all that you do. You've come to believe that it's possible that you may never feel truly happy. If you resonate with any of those things, even a little bit, you are probably holding on to bitterness. For me, if this was a checklist two years ago, I would have checked every single one of those boxes, some of them twice. And so let's look at what the Bible says about bitterness by starting in the book of Hebrews today, which is found in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, This book was written to a group of Christians, essentially a church, that culture had turned against. And one of the things that they were struggling with as a community was bitterness. They felt bitter toward their neighbors. They felt bitter toward other Christians. They felt bitter toward each other, inside the church, everyone. And so the author writes this in Hebrews 12, verse 15. He says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. And so the author describes bitterness as a poisonous root. Right? So let's talk about that. Let's think about what roots are like. Roots hide beneath the surface. Roots can go hundreds of feet deep and hundreds of feet wide. Roots get tangled up in other trees. Roots can choke out other plants. Roots are strong enough to push up sidewalks and destroy the foundations of homes. And that is what bitterness is compared to. It's this hidden destroyer. It's beneath the surface. It goes deep and wide. It can wreck even the strongest foundations. It is this thing that is beneath the surface of our soul. And when left unchecked, it slowly grows deeper and deeper and deeper. And sometimes these roots of bitterness, we don't even know we have one until we wake up one day and we can't stop thinking about that thing. We can't, we can't stop thinking about that person and what they did or didn't do, what they said or didn't say. And some of us have bitterness toward the most ridiculous things. My thing right now is people who yield when there isn't a yield sign. Can I? Thank you. Thank you. So I live off of 40 in Frederick, and the path I take every morning to work is through Ballinger Creek because my daughter goes to daycare in that area. This means my normal driving route includes Himes Avenue, and Ballinger Creek Pike, and there are three intersections there within about a mile that do not have yield signs, but people yield anyways. You know what? If you don't know where they are, let's just look at them on the map. There's three. (laughs) You guys think I'm kidding right now. This is what we're learning. There are three intersections, okay? Three spots. This is one mile, all right? This is the Wawa. You all know this, okay? When you turn onto Ballinger Creek Pike, there is no yield. You do not need to stop. When you merge under Ballinger Creek Pike up here, there is no yield. You do not need to stop. When you merge on Heims Avenue right here, there is no yield. You do not need to stop. This kills me every single day, right? If you live back here, you know, okay? Uh, also, I bought this just to show you guys. I need you to know. I'll bring out a laser pointer more often. The thing is, there is no yield. And do you know how I know there's not a yield? Because there's not a yield sign. But people do it anyways. And every time, Every time I have to stop for someone who doesn't understand the regular rules of driving, I lose my mind. I yell. I honk. Eight o'clock in the morning. Don't care. If you heard honking around there, probably me. I'm going crazy. Uh, It's so bad, my four-year-old starts yelling with me, okay? (laughs) I've had to tone back my language just a little bit because she repeats everything. And listen, if you live back here, you know how frustrating this is. But if you live back here and you don't know how frustrating this is, you are part of the problem, and I need you to stop, okay? I can't get healthy if you keep doing these types of things, right? And so this is frustrating, but this is a ridiculous thing for me to be bitter about. But I carry this with me. And the thing is, that's not really what the author of Hebrews is talking about. He's talking about this bitterness that comes from those paralyzing offenses. It's the abuse of a family member, He's talking about the betrayal of a spouse, the gossip of a friend, these things that you cannot shake. And the author tells us that we need to watch out for this bitterness because it takes root. It digs into our hearts, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows. So if you're taking notes, write this down. First thing is this. Bitterness hurts ourselves. Bitterness hurts ourselves. There's a famous quote that bitterness is like drinking poison, hoping it will kill the enemy. Maya Angelou compared bitterness to cancer that feeds upon the host. The person that bitterness hurts the most is ourselves. In an article from Psychology Today, it said that bitterness can lead to long-term psychological distress, that it affects everything from our sleeping patterns to our appetites to our sex drive. Now, let me pause here for a second. For those of you who are married... That last one should be reason enough that you deal with your bitterness, okay? It will impact and it will destroy your marriage in many ways. And so we need to check it. The article continued, Dwelling on what happened allows bitterness to become a permanent part of our character, leaving our self-image to slide from a competent and purpose-driven person to that of a helpless victim. Bitterness elevates cynicism and paranoia. Bitterness can make you so self-protective that you view the entire world through that filter, avoiding opportunities and relationships that could be fulfilling. It said that bitterness stops the clock of your life, meaning dwelling on what hurt you keeps you trapped in the past. And this prolongs your pain. It prevents you from moving forward in your life. But it also stops you from being present in the moment. And it takes away opportunities for you to see the good things that are right in front of you. Bitterness wastes time and energy. People who are bitter usually spend a ton of time just replaying the events over and over and over again, like spinning out of control, saying, if only that hadn't happened, if only I had done this thing. And that takes time and energy away from your life right now, the good things right now. Now, if bitterness causes so many problems, why do people cling to it? The article continued, we might claim our grudge and bitterness is only because of fairness or a sense of justice. Right? This goes back to the fact that it came from a real pain. But there's, a, there's usually a deeper psychological reason we hold on to something. Bitterness can actually be something that gives someone a, self or a sense of purpose, even if it's negative. In this way, it kind of becomes this backwards way to boost low self-esteem and confidence or shore up this weak sense of self-identity. Bitterness is also a way to hide from fear or life change or failing. If something bad happened to you that you can be bitter about, you can use it as an excuse to not try other things. Bitterness is a weight that drags us down. It hurts our relationships, it hurts who we are, and it destroys us. But if that isn't enough, here's the second thing. Bitterness hurts others. And so this isn't just about ourselves. It's about our spouse or our friends or our community. Let's read verse 15 again. It says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. And that word corrupting means to stain or to pollute. Throughout the Bible, it's the same word that's used to describe something that's unclean. Ultimately, it's used to describe something that's sinful. And so when we choose not to deal with our bitterness, not only do we stop ourselves from living freely and lightly, we stop other people as well. Going back to the Psychology Today article, it says that bitterness affects relationships. While it's normal to go through a rough patch, and support is what friends are for, when someone obsessively complains or rehashes the same event again, again, and again, eventually, it becomes draining to others. Bitterness can drive people you care about away while attracting other bitter people into your life, just a community of bitterness. Bitterness can influence the people around us in negative ways, which further impacts their time, it impacts their energy, it impacts their self-worth. Parents, when we refuse to deal with our bitterness, we are polluting our children What's happening is that they are receiving the weight of our bitterness even though they didn't experience the hurt that we did. And this shapes who they are. It shapes how they approach relationships, how they handle trials, how they see themselves. And the impact will play out on their future marriage. We'll see it on their faith. It'll impact how they see the world. Bitterness isn't just about me. It can't be just about me because it's about the people around me who feel the negative impact of my bitterness and how that can hurt them. And really what the author implies is that our bitterness leads other people to a place of sin. So bitterness hurts others. And bitterness comes out in many ways, but uh, the major way I see bitterness playing out in our society today is used in passive-aggressive comments. I think passive-aggressiveness is the worst uh, I hate it. I don't fully understand it because I'm like aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. Um, but passive aggressiveness is probably a sign of bitterness in your life or bitterness in someone else's life. Now, if you are a little bit older, like if you're a Gen X or maybe you're a boomer, no offense, your passive aggressive comes out in the way that you talk to people, right? You just say, I would do it differently. Or, I saw it done this way or back when I had kids this is how I would do it. That's passive aggressive. Stop doing that. But for millennials and Gen Z, you're not off the hook. Millennials and Gen Z, the way that passive aggressiveness comes out is social media. Right? That is why when you're on it, you hate it as much as you do. And every time I get on Facebook or Instagram, you know, and you know this too, you start scrolling through and you start seeing posts that are clearly directed toward a specific person or a crowd of people. And the person posting it puts it up. They're hoping that all the people they are upset with will read their posts and change who they are. But guess what? They won't. Like That has never happened in the history of social media. And so you have to stop posting things on social media just to justify your bitterness. Stop posting things on social media that calls people out for things that you aren't willing to sit down and have an honest conversation with them about. And I'm not even talking about calling them out. It's sitting down and saying, you did something that hurt me. If you are unwilling to do that to their face, stop posting those things on social media. Stop sharing things that try to prove that you are okay because you clearly are not OK. Right? We're not OK. And it's OK that we're not OK. And here's the thing. For those of you who post those posts, and you know who you are. I'm not going to call you out. Uh, if you are one of those people who, who post those posts, the argument you're making in your head right now is that you got positive affirmation from people. You'll say, but look at everybody who commented. Look, look at what they said on this post. But here's what I need to tell you. That didn't come from healthy people. It came from other bitter people. You're creating this group of bitterness in your life. And so if you find yourself sharing things on social media to try and prove something to people who you are friends with, or to prove something to that person that hurt you, or to prove something to yourself, you have to stop, because it is just making that root of bitterness grow. Here's some other free advice on that that you didn't ask for, but I'm giving to you anyways. If there are people that you are hoping that will read your bitter, I told you so post, just stop following them. Unfriend them. Because what you're doing is you're allowing them to continue to be a part of your life. And you are choosing bitterness when you do that. You are choosing to relive that pain and relive that frustration. Unfriend them. Move on and let go. Because imagine how much freer and lighter your life would feel like if you weren't always reading things on Instagram, thinking about the person or people who hurt you. And listen, if, if you do those types of things, I'm not trying to minimize your hurt. What I'm trying to do is help you understand that the hurt you have experienced has led to pain, and that pain is now bitterness that is infecting your heart and infecting others, because bitterness always hurts ourselves, and it always hurts others. And because of that, we have to work to let it go. Right? It will not let go of itself. And so the question is, how do we do that? How do we truly let go of the deep-seated pain and anger and resentment and sadness that we feel? Here's the first thing that we have to do. We have to be honest about our pain. We have to be honest. We can't keep hiding it. We can't keep burying it. We can't keep leaving it down in our soul. And some of you are bitter at God because you've lost someone you love, and you don't understand why, and you are blaming him. And it is destroying your faith. Some of you are bitter at your coworker who got the promotion that you feel like you deserved and worked hard for. Some of you are bitter at that older sibling that seems to do nothing wrong. Some of you are bitter at the woman who's now dating your ex, and even though you don't want to be with him, you can't stop hating her. Some of you are bitter toward your parents for what they did or didn't do, and you are imprisoned, and you cannot heal from the things that you are unwilling to acknowledge. And so we have to be honest. We have to go to a place where our hurt comes from, and we have to say, this is why this wound hurts me. This is why what they did and what they said is something that I've held on to for these years. This is the way it made me feel. You have to go beneath the surface. You have to go behind the walls. You have to go deep to dig it all out. I don't think that I would have ever used the word bitter to describe some of the weight I was carrying until a few years ago. I would have done what many people do, and I would have called it anger, right? I would have called it resentment. But really, that's the surface, right? Bitterness is the thing behind the thing. And a lot of those feelings were at the core of how I felt. But the weight I carried every single day was bitterness. And this came from hurt from my dad. And I know that no one would tell me that my dad having an affair shouldn't hurt me and shouldn't make me mad. Like, no one would ever tell me that. You guys wouldn't tell me that. No one would ever tell me that my dad missing my wedding shouldn't create sadness in my life. Right? No one would ever tell me that I wasn't allowed to feel those things because those were how I felt, and that is how I felt. The problem, though, was that I didn't do anything with that. I didn't do anything to heal from the pain he caused because I thought eventually it'll all go away. I thought if I just minimize the way that I felt, eventually life will just kind of heal itself and we'll move on. But things do not work that way because my anger and my sadness didn't go away and eventually they just turned into bitterness. And this bitterness in my life came out in so many ways. For the longest time, I viewed this world without any hope. It was just pure pessimism. There was nothing good that I could see in this world. I never believed that good things could happen to me. When good things did happen, I just lived in this place of expecting the other shoe to drop, for someone to take it away, for a lie to come out, to destroy it, something. I allowed my bitterness to create walls between me and other people. There are relationships I don't have today because I wouldn't even let people get close enough to have a friendship. It led to me having issues with authority. And I've had conflict with every leader in my life because I didn't trust them to stick around. I've never trusted a leader in my life to actually want what's best for me. And my bitterness made me angry and jaded and alone. And in order for me to really start working on it, I had to go back to the place of my hurt. I had to go back to when I was a teenager. And I had to say out loud, when my dad left, I felt abandoned. When my dad left, I felt like I wasn't good enough. I felt like I wasn't worthy of love. And I had to be real and honest about that pain, not about the anger not about why I was acting the way I was acting. Where did that pain come from? And I had to be honest with my wife. She knew it, but I'd be honest anyways. I had to be honest with my friends. I had to be honest with my therapist. I had to be honest with other men. And that was when I began to be able to let go, just a little bit, because that was step one. If we are not honest about our pain, we can never go beyond the weight. So we have to call it out. We have to be honest about it. We have to be real about it. Here's step two, though, and this is the hard one. We have to forgive those who have hurt us. The word forgiveness means to release or to let go. And if we really want to let go of the weight of bitterness, we are feeling this is how we do it. Calling it out is step one, but forgiveness is step two, and there really isn't a step past that. And most importantly, we are told what forgiveness looks like because we are told to forgive in the same way that Jesus has forgiven us. In Ephesians 4, Paul writes this. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And listen, I know that not everyone in this room would say that they are a follower of Jesus. Some of you are just here and you're checking all this stuff out. But no matter what happens today, one of the reasons you're gonna struggle with bitterness for a very long time, and one of the reasons you're gonna struggle to forgive and let go is because you haven't experienced the forgiveness in your life that Jesus extends to you. Jesus forgives us even though we don't deserve it. Jesus forgives us again and again and again as we continue to fall short. Jesus forgives us without us having to do anything to earn it. But if you haven't accepted that forgiveness in your own life, you'll never be able to extend it. Right? That, you will be stuck in this place forever. So if you are not a follower of Jesus, while you can take everything to heart today and you can understand bitterness a little bit better, if you truly want to let go, it starts with Jesus. Jesus. It starts with putting your faith in him. It starts with choosing forgiveness and grace for yourself. And then you'll be able to start working through, how do I extend that to the people who've hurt me? And forgiving others the way that Jesus has forgiven means that we aren't generating something on our own. And this is a good thing. This doesn't come from our own power. We're just simply passing along something that we've already received. And there is a huge difference. You don't have to do this on your own. And how did Jesus forgive us? immediately, unwaveringly, generously, unconditionally. And that is the forgiveness we are told to offer. And forgiveness isn't a one-time thing. I, I truly wish it was. I wish you could get to the place of forgiveness and everything clears out and you keep moving forward. But the truth is forgiveness is an everyday kind of thing. It's every time we see that person. It's every time we feel that pain. Forgiveness is more of a marathon than a sprint. But if you choose that enough, if you make that decision enough, one day you will wake up, and the wound will be a fact and no longer an emotion, and you'll realize that you're not holding on to that any longer. And you'll realize and you'll decide that they don't owe you anything. Last week, I asked the question that we have to wrestle with in this series. That's what is the cost of letting go? What is the cost of letting go of our bitterness? What is the cost? of me letting go of my bitterness. And for me personally, the cost of me letting go of my bitterness was that I had to do the work. And that really made me mad. I didn't want to do the work. I didn't ask for this. I didn't want to have to work hard through it. Really, all I wanted was for my dad to apologize, not the halfway apologies that my kids give when they refuse to do what I ask them. Right? You know the one, they don't look you in the eye. They like kind of mumble, I'm sorry, and you're like, I don't know if you actually said I'm sorry there, but I'm going to take that, and we're going to move forward with it. For years, all I wanted was my dad to say, I had an affair. I screwed up. I am sorry. But that has never happened. And one of the costs of healing was that I didn't get what I wanted, and I had to learn how to grow and be okay with that. One of the costs was that I had to come face-to-face with my brokenness. One of the costs was that I had to then go and apologize to people I had hurt, because of the bitterness that I was feeling in my own life. And let me just say this, I am not a fully healed person. I've come a long way, and the weight isn't as heavy as it used to be. But this is still something that I carry and I'm working on. But for all of us here who feel that feeling, we have to start processing and working through this, or else we will carry it forever. One thing that's true about me, is that I love music. And the reason I love music so much is because there are just some songs that hit me. And this could be a worship song, or sometimes it's kind of that emo 2000s punk music. It can be rap or hip hop. Uh, It can't be country, because country's the worst. And I don't understand any of it. That is not my life. (laughs) But if a song is real, right? not just fun, but if a song is real, it hits me in that spot deep down in my soul. You know what I'm talking about. You kind of get blindsided by those lyrics because it's kind of like the song was written for you. Or it's like they wrote a song that said the words that you'd been feeling and wanting to say. Or the song was written in a way that could help you express what you were wrestling with in a way that you didn't ever know you were allowed to express. And maybe music doesn't do that for you, but maybe for you it could be a movie or a book or a piece of art. Over about the past 10 years, one of my favorite artists has been a rapper uh, called NF. And just a few weeks ago, he actually put out a new album where if you like hip hop, if you like rap, um, you should listen to it. Uh, it will mess you up in a really good way. Um, but while I was working for the, through the plan of this sermon series, he dropped this album. And specifically, his first single came out. And it's a song called Hope. And when you listen to this song, you, you realize pretty quickly that this song is about healing. It's about healing from this pain that he has. It's about him working through the trauma of losing a parent. It's about him trying to figure out who he is in this world as, as he's a musician and a father and a follower of Jesus. And this whole entire album, but specifically this song, is about letting go of the things he's been carrying because he's finally ready for hope. And at the end of this song, there's this very intense moment. And he says this, He says, 30 years of running, 30 years of searching, 30 years of hurting, 30 years of pain, 30 years of fearful, 30 years of anger, 30 years of empty, 30 years of shame, 30 years of broken, 30 years of anguish, 30 years of hopeless, 30 years of never, 30 years of maybe, 30 years of later, 30 years of fake, 30 years of hollow, 30 years of sorrow, 30 years of darkness, 30 years of baggage, 30 years of sadness, 30 years of stagnant, 30 years of chains. 30 years of anxious, 30 years of suffering, 30 years of torment, 30 years of bitter, 30 years of lonely, 30 years of pushing everyone away. And this song just kind of crushed me, like deep in my soul, because I understand and know what running feels like. I know what anger feels like. I know what shame feels like. I know what hollow and lonely and bitter feel like but the part that hit me the most was this thing when he said 30 years. Because I do not want to feel this way for 30 years. I do not want to carry this for 30 years. And as I was listening to that song, the reality that this anger and resentment and really this bitterness that I've been feeling started when I was 14. And I carried that for 21 years before I began the process of letting go before I began to do the work, but before I began to truly allow God to carry those burdens for me so that I could start to live freely and lightly. And so if you are like me and you don't want to carry that weight any longer, right, if you don't want to carry this for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years of your life, this is the time where we let go. This is the time where we trust God and we hand it to him and let him carry those burdens for us. Let's pray. God, one thing uh, I'm very confident of as we talk about bitterness today is that every single person in this room has experienced hard things. They've been hurt. They've been betrayed. They've been lied to. God, they themselves have made those decisions. And because of that, they've experienced anger and resentment and sadness. God, for a lot of us, that has turned into bitterness and that bitterness drives who we are. And that bitterness has become so much of our identity. God, that bitterness has changed how we see people. God, that bitterness has changed how we view our marriage. And really, God, is destroying us. The thing is, is, because it's below the surface, we tend to not deal with it. Because it doesn't come out every single day or because it's not seen fully by other people, we just let it sit there. And God, we know that it is growing deeper and deeper and deeper. And so, God, I just pray for, for those of us who feel that feeling, who carry that weight, who hold on to that bitter taste. God, I pray we begin to let go. God, that we, that we really just are honest about this pain. God, that we're not afraid to call it out. But more importantly, God, that we begin to forgive. God, we're thankful that we don't have to figure out what forgiveness looks like. God, that we don't have to create this on our own, that the power doesn't come from us, though it comes from you. God, we simply have to hand them something that you offered us that we know that we don't deserve, and we give to them because they don't deserve it either. So God, I pray this week as we wrestle with this, as we struggle with this, as we begin to call it out, as we begin to understand that this is a weight that we carry, God, I pray that you help us let it go. God, more importantly, we feel your presence in our lives so that we know that you're carrying it with us so we don't have to go through this alone. God, thank you for your forgiveness. That's the only way we can get through this. We love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.